Do you sometimes feel helpless wishing you'd understood your child better? Wishing you had some hack, tip or a magic word that would help you in parenting. Well, I'll tell you what, when I left the hospital with my baby for the first few days, I thought maybe the hospital should have sent a manual with the baby. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dr. Rahat and you're listening to Dr. Mommy Speaks Parenting Podcast. In today's episode, we will help you become an empowered parent to equip you with the right tools that can help you understand your child better. And for this, we have with us today Kiva Schuler, all the way from Boston, USA. She is the co-founder of J Institute of Parenting that helps parents, coaches, mentors and caregivers in helping them raise their kids right. Her passion for parenting stems from her own experiences of childhood trauma and neglect. She's a serial entrepreneur and has been the marketer behind many, many transformational brands. She's also a sought-after mentor, speaker and coach, and most importantly, a passionate mom. Hi Kiva, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. It's always fun scheduling between the the global world that we have now. Yeah, the countries and time zones. Oh my gosh. I know. Okay, so uh parenting. One of the biggest struggle, struggles of parenting is disciplining a child. I mean, mm. who loves a child who has an unruly behavior? Now, there are many ways to do it. You know, big terms like behavior modification, emotional coaching or setting boundaries or depriving kids of things that they like. But is there a better way to discipline children which replaces punishments and consequences? Yeah, I might even invite us to move past the idea of discipline. Um just in that concept what what that means right is that there's a person that has power over the actions and choices of another human being whether that human being is 2 years old or 10 years old and this is not to say that parents are not to guide mentor set limits have healthy boundaries have expectations for their children but our work really suggests and and proves quite frankly that when we create a relationship with our children where we see their needs and feelings wants um as as valuable and can meet them in a place of cooperation and collaboration communication that this need for punishments and consequences also known as discipline really goes away right um you know just because we gave birth to our kids we think that we own them and i'm not yeah. trying to pose parents in bad light here but it's just yeah. that uh parenting is uh you know it's heavy to be frank it is a lot of hard work and yeah. to catch up with kids and work and home and everything all we try to do we go into an autopilot and because of that autopilot i feel we're not able to give time to our kids their needs and you know whatever they feel like that's why we want to control them so that we're always on a schedule and and actually that that desire for control makes things harder i mean if you put yourself you know if you, if you think about how it feels in your you know your body your energy your mood when someone else is trying to control you um 
you act out, you resist, you get mad, you feel, you feel that it's unfair, it feels completely, and so all that takes energy. And so when we kind of can, you know, to say to parents is, listen, you're the parent, you get to decide what's best for your family. I, I don't actually have any opinion about that. And what I, what I know is that when we loosen our grip a little bit on control or needing to regulate children's behavior or get them to behave a certain way, everything, the whole system, the whole family system has more ease, peace, calmness, and you can actually come to solutions that work for everybody in a much better way. So then we get to have fun and all these ideas that parenting is hard, parenting is a struggle, you know, teenagers rebel, aren't happening <laughs> so true that is so true i mean you know losing control uh, once we lose that control we will be able to give that space of communication between right. us and our kids and that is so important yeah i mean i don't know about you but my kids come up with the best solutions to challenges that we're having in our home way better than anything I would come up with. And so then they do feel empowered. They feel that they have a voice. And I think more importantly, they're solution creators in their identity. And so as they get out into the world and start engaging with, with a world that is, is challenging and difficult and has unfairness, they're, they're thinking through the lens of solutions not from disempowerment or feeling that the loudest voice in the room or the most powerful voice in the room, the biggest voice in the room is the one that has the most ability to create change. That is actually such a common notion, you know, when you are not feeling heard, when you actually have a solution, you want to set it out on the table. But then the only way you find is raising your voice. That's because yes. the kid has been raised in such an environment where he was not allowed to speak up. And uh, that's what happens. Uh, so when my kids cannot come up with solutions yet, they're still toddlers. So all we speak about is Paw Patrol and Peppa Pig. Yes. We're still there. <laughs> but it's still, I mean, it's funny. I always tell the story. So my kids are teenagers now. They're 16 oh. and 14. But I tell this story about, uh, you know, driving in the car with them when they were really little, maybe like three and five years old. And I completely lost my temper. They were bickering. And I'm not, a, you know, I've been to, in this work for a long time. So it's rare that I yell. And so when I do tears, you know, I'm crying, they're crying. And so after everything calmed, my son said, mama, I really don't like it when you yell at us. And I said, oh, honey, I really don't like it either. What could I do? And he said, well, how about when you feel yourself starting to have yelling in your body, you say, hey guys, I feel myself having yelling in my body. What could we change? And so still to this day, when they're 16, it's like our family joke. I'm like, I feel yelling in my body. And we all just laugh. <laughs> oh my gosh. What your little one did there was like an amazing uh, advice and positive psychology. So cool. <laughs> really nice that 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 brings me to uh conscious parenting you know uh, now i am a huge advocate of conscious parenting and i feel that the basis for this is the fact that kids are great imitators uh what we say to them and how we behave with them all of that becomes their inner voice in the long run and yes. at times there's a conflict 
where conscious parenting becomes permissive parenting, you know, just out of mm-hmm. unconditional love in the pretext of unconditional love. So can you tell us how these two are different? And first yes. off, what is uh, conscious parenting and permissive parenting for the uninitiated? Thank you so much. I love this question because I think that there's so much misconception that parenting, what I would say intentionally or with purpose, consciousness is somehow permissive parenting. It's quite the opposite. I actually think it's like full, you know, full impact coach or parenting. <laughs> um, so, so let me actually start with the dominant model because many parents are parenting that way because they think if they don't, it's permissive. So that's the, you know, do as I do what I say because I say so. Um, be seen, not heard. I'm, I'm power over the child. And it works, right? Like in the in the day to day, the dominant mile uh, model will get children to comply. However, that compliance comes with a cost, which is everything that we were just talking about: lack of self worth, lack of knowing their own voice, uh, distrust of the child to the parent, and ultimately separation and rebellion because nobody wants to be controlled. So that model is effective in the short term, but has long term consequences to the quality of the relationship between parent and child and the child's sense of self. Permissive parenting is absentee parenting. It is kind of like hands off. I'm just going to let them do whatever they want to do. And life is going to show them what. And this has children feeling also lack of self-worth because they don't feel cared for. They don't have healthy limits or boundaries. They don't know where they stop and someone else begins. This leads to codependency. It has tremendous repercussions. In the middle is what we would call conscious, uh, authoritative, right? Meeting as a guide and a mentor to your child. It actually, I believe, is it's a little harder than the dominant model. It takes more presence. Um, I would say it's quality over quantity. And what it means is that you soften yourself as a parent, meaning you let go of your need to be right. You let go of your need to not be wrong. You own when you make mistakes. You're able to communicate effectively your own emotional state and feelings in a way that uses, we use the principles of nonviolent communication. So, so does no harm to another person physically, emotionally, or spiritually. And that you do the work of unpacking your own unconscious beliefs that came from your childhood so that you're not unconsciously um, divesting of those to your children. So that's conscious parenting. Here's what that does is it raises children who absolutely appreciate and are involved in healthy boundaries, right? When, when, Uh, a little boy hits his sister over the head with a block, like we parent that. It is not okay. We talk about feelings. We talk about safety, but there's no external manipulation. If you do this again, I'm going to do this thing to you. It's, It's a living, breathing relationship and communication replaces punishments. What you end up with is children who have extremely healthy boundaries, who are self-regulated, who can co-regulate their own emotions, who have intrinsic motivation to do the right thing because they've developed a healthy sense of values, morals, and beliefs within the family system. 
Kiva, that was really beautiful. I'm blown away because, you know, the thing that he said about let go of your need to be right. This exactly this thing causes a power struggle between parents yes. and their kids. And it is so tough. All we want is to listen to them. We don't want anything bad to happen to them. But in that process, we're not understanding the child's emotions. I literally feel that kids speak through emotions when they're yes. angry they will shout when they're sleepy or hungry they're going to be irritated they literally speak with their emotions whenever a child is uh, depicting some sort of challenging behavior we should not target the behavior we should try to understand you know what is that what's wrong with you and of course you're not going to come to know about it by asking the child what's wrong with him you have to first you know uh, get the steam off help the child yeah, to get have their big feelings exactly you know, the other thing that we do as parents is we assume that children's brains work the way that our brains do and exactly. they are completely different brains so when a child is in a tantrum or in a state of rage or anger and we try to talk to them. It's like that old Charlie Brown cartoon. Remember? <laughs> they can't process or hear anything that we're saying. So just being with their big emotions, breathing with them, sitting with them, giving, like I have um, two different children, right? So my son, when he's in big emotions, he actually needs physical closeness. He needs to be touched. He needs to be held. My daughter requires space. She needs to go in her own energy place or usually her room until she's ready to come. She's like a cat and then she'll come back. That's so, so mature. Yeah. So mature. Parents is to know what our kids need when they're in those big emotions. Give them that space. And then when, when calmer bodies and minds have arrived, then we can have a conversation about like, wow, I noticed you were really angry. Tell me about that. That must have felt really big for you. Um, or, you know what? I acted in a way that is not how I want to be as your mom. I'm so sorry. How was that for you? And everything just melts. Seriously. I mean, you know, uh, calming them down, providing them with a proper outlet to work out their emotions is so important so that we can solve any problem just because a child knows how to handle those emotions. Right. Right. And, and you know, the bottom line is most grownups don't know how to handle emotions either because we weren't taught this as children. And so you have an escalating dynamic, right, where a child's anger triggers parents' anger, escalates child's anger, escalates parents anger and yeah the power struggle i was talking about exactly like who's going to win who's going to be right but it's yes. not that we simply fail yeah. to see that yeah, and it's hard. really i'm talking about uh parenting ways you know adults who fail to process their emotions properly i feel this is the job of parents to teach the yes. kids and the foundation of how to process your emotions is to be laid right from childhood. In fact, toddlers and preschoolers is the perfect age group to teach this. And, yes. uh, you know, from simple breathing exercises or taking some steam off or having a glass of water. If you keep on consistently doing these hacks with your child or even you got to do it yourself so the child sees and learns it from you. So the child will learn that, OK, that's how you process anger. That's what you do when you're irritated. And then the child is going to continue doing the same and he will turn out to be a much more emotionally stable adult when he's, uh, you know, grown up. Absolutely correct. And also it's never too late. 
you know, hmm, uh, right. brain still all have neuroplasticity. And so if you're someone who's had a, you know, trigger reaction to anger, it's okay. You know, we're, we're all human. We're all doing our best and you can always learn new tools, even at 40 years old, 50 years old. One of our favorite case studies is about a woman who went through our coach training. Uh, her child was in her fifties and they were able to mend decades, decades of disrepair or dysfunction in their relationship and repair it. So it's, it's, you know, yes, it's great when they're young and it's never too late. That's, that's really awe inspiring. And uh, for those who are not aware of it, uh, it's an amazing theory, the theory of neuroplasticity. So, you know, contrary to the popular belief where we think that the human brain can learn or maybe a child's brain can learn new acts, new things only till the age of five or six and nothing beyond that. So the, all of this has been rubbished by the theory of neuroplasticity, which states that a brain can learn, change, form new synapses till death. So you can keep on changing, keep on learning new things. You can't say, you know, I'm set in my ways. Then my man, you're just giving me an excuse for not changing. You want to be set in your habits. You don't want to change. So I really love that. So that coming to yes, old dogs can learn new tricks. <laughs> yeah, that's all. You're just giving reasons to not change. So we're talking about a work from home. This pandemic has been troublesome in so many ways. I can write an essay on it. But right. sticking to parenting, work from home scenario has made it really tough for parents. More like testing our nerves, you know. So how can creating boundaries through peaceful communication help us in this problem? Yeah, it has been such a difficult time for parents, especially of young children, children that still need to be managed. I think part of it is recognizing how hard of an experience this has been and allowing more space for a little bit for chaos, you know, instead of judging ourselves and saying, oh, how can I make this peaceful? How can I have boundaries? I think there's so much energy that gets freed up when we simply accept that this time is hard, that we're being asked to do things that are, I mean, beyond human. Um, and so there's almost a, a, a surrender, right, to the challenge of the moment, which can make things a lot easier. That being said, you know, I think children are incredible, they're, they're capable of understanding far more than we give them credit for, in my experience. And this whole conversation that we've been having around communication can be really helpful. So, you know, children as young as five can really understand that their actions have impact on others. They start to have the capacity for empathy and compassion. And so if you have children that are, you know, five and older, you can have conversations with them that sound something like, um, it was really hard for me yesterday when I was on my call and you came into my office wanting to, you know, play Legos. Um, how could we create some solutions together so that next time I'm on an important call, you know not to come into the room, right? And so you want to create solutions, number one, with the child, bring them into the conversation versus when I put a red sign on my door, you can't come in my office because we all know how that's going to go. When children are the creators of the solution, they're 
far more likely to uh, comply, if you will, because they made the rule. So, you know, in that scenario, maybe a child would say, well, how about I make a special sign? And when my special sign is on the door, you'll tell me to put it there and I won't come in. So things like that, where you're involving the child, um, you know, I know moms here that are swapping, get out of the house time, right? So do you have uh, neighbors, colleagues that can help you, friends that can help you, family? Um, how can you let yourself off the hook a bit so that you're not trying to do all things for all people at all times? It's exhausting. <laughs> Right, you know, so more like try not to uh, put too many things on your plate. That's actually been my motto. And that's yeah. what put me on survival mode. The pandemic equals a survival mode, especially right. for a mother. Things are going to be so different for people who are singles or, you know, who have help out there. But then mothers, it's basically survival mode. We get up and the switch is on. <laughs> exactly. I know. That's what I said. It's like a slingshot. Like you wake up out of morning, like, ching, and you go till you drop. <laughs> <laughs> I literally imagined myself. <laughs> That's so nice. Okay. Uh, so, uh, peaceful parenting model. So, the J Institute of Parenting has this amazing initiative uh, where it aims at equipping parents uh, to achieve the much deserved mental peace using the peaceful parenting model. So, uh, Kiva, could you tell us something more about this? Yeah, so so here at Jai, we're, what we do is we actually train parenting coaches. And the reason that we're so passionate about parent coaches is that these things that we're talking about, they sound simple, but the truth is that shifting behavior typically takes a coach, a mentor, a guide, someone who's been trained to support people to make this change from the dominant model to the peaceful model. And so our coaches really work with the families that, you know, that employ or that hire them to help them make this shift. And the peace model, I don't want to get too into it because it's, it's quite comprehensive, but really it's about giving parents the tools of presence, right? That's the P, being able to be present with what is in their children. Um, emotional intelligence, right? Learning the language of feelings and needs, um, conscious communication, learning how to create this family system where there's room for all voices to be heard, to have a seat at the table and to be a part of creating the cooperative solutions um, and empathy, right? Understanding that we all have feelings and needs. Uh, you know, one of our favorite jokes in my house is even moms make mistakes, <laughs> um, and so really creating this culture of empathy within the home where, where no one's wrong, right? Where we're all just being our human selves and we're going to be met with unconditional love at all times. Now, all of that is kind of an ideal. What I say to people is this is not about being a perfect parent. In fact, that wouldn't give your family fodder or opportunity to learn how to be in real relationships where conflict happens, where mistakes are made, where people have bad days. Um, so, you know, 75%, 80% of the time, you know, let's, let's go for the ideal and then also give ourselves permission to not be perfect. Yeah, actually, you know, we grow with conflicts and that goes so That's true, right. especially for a household. And let's aim for the moon. At least then you land up amongst the stars. So it's That's fine right. if you don't. Yes. 
80% or something, even if you're able to do that, that would be great. Uh, so Kiva, it's time to fulfill our promise now. I promise to help parents to uh, empower them with some parenting tools. Let's give them that. We often find ourselves amidst a power struggle with our kids. The reason being the traditional old power over parenting models that we spoke about earlier, where we feel that we need to control our kids. Just because we birthed them, we feel we own them. Now, that's not the way it's supposed to be. So what is empowered parenting and how is it the antidote to the dominant power parenting model? Mm -hmm. So empowered parenting is really trusting that every human being's feelings and needs are real to that person. And so what do I mean by that? When, you know, say you have a, a toddler who's terribly upset because the red Lego is on top of the blue Lego and they think that the blue Lego needs to be on top of the red Lego. Does this happen in your house? Exactly. Every single time. Just change the colors and that's my household. <laughs> yeah. So... So here's the thing to us as adults, we're like, oh my gosh, you're waking me up at three in the morning because of this. And we just get outraged. But when we go into the empower model, we're like, wait a second, this is a very real problem, you know, that's putting this little child's brain in fight or flight. They're really traumatized and, and that's their feeling and need in that moment. It's real. And so the empowered approach would just be like, okay, buddy, gotcha. Right. And, and not making that a thing because it's not important. Now at other times, let's say we have the same child running out into the street, right? And not listening to the rule of you need to hold mom's hand when we cross the street. Now we're in a real danger situation where it's appropriate to set healthy limits. And so part of this is being able to discern as a parent, like, is this a big deal? A red Lego on top of a blue Lego moment? No. A child running into a street with traffic? Yes. And so this is when we're going to model healthy boundary setting, right? Remember, we have a family value of safety. And what just happened now was not safe. I felt scared as your mom. How can I help you remember to hold my hand? So we're not shaming the child. We're not making them a bad person. We're not calling them names. I mean, it breaks my heart when I hear people talk to their children. Are you stupid? You know, you did do, 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 do. Oh, their little soul and it's not necessary. And, and they can still parent. Yeah, and that becomes their internal voice. They right. think of themselves as that becomes their label then. It's yes. really hurtful. Yes. So empowered parenting is parents doing the work, taking responsibility for managing their own discernment, decision-making process, and way of communicating to their children so that everybody's empowered, parent and child. Exactly. And, you know, I'd like to add, if we want to look at parenting and disciplining from a very zoomed out version. So I feel, you know, uh, we keep on telling our kids, don't run on the road, don't eat like that, or don't wear that dress. It's always a no, 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 no. The reason being a controlling nature, also because we're in a real rush and we want to get things done, get through our schedule and day. So if instead of that, we choose a few things that are really important and they cannot be compromised with. Like you mentioned, safety. Like if you have multiple siblings, there are two kids in the house, so not hitting each other 
or anything yes. that puts them in grave danger or something about manners or about honesty or kindness yes. it depends upon whatever yes. your family belief system is so select yes. a few of those and put them at the topmost priority so yes. whenever there is uh you know a problem with those then you are supposed to be uh, acting the rest of the battles where the kid says i want to sleep not at six o'clock let's make it six thirty, or you know i don't want to wear the red one i want to wear the blue one you can let go of those why because then you are going to have that chance with them to compromise and you know uh, negotiate with the actual problems wearing red or a blue pj isn't a problem but you know child safety or being honest these are actual things that we need to be paying attention well on. you know what we want to do is set limits and boundaries and expectations based on shared family values exactly and so step one is know what your values are you know what does matter to you as a family and what doesn't exactly it was so nice talking with you, Kiwa, and I wish it was longer, but I guess we ran out of topics to talk on. So as a, our time. <laughs> as a closing note, would you like to add something for the listeners? Um, I would just say, you know, if you're passionate about parenting and intrigued about this idea that it could uh, be something that you turned into a business, certainly come visit our website, jiinstituteforparenting.com. And the second thing I would say is just be easy with yourself. I think so many of us have so much guilt and shame about perhaps things we've done in the past or how we've parented our children. And maybe we want to open a new door to do things in a different way. Uh, be loving to yourself. We're all doing the best we can under very challenging circumstances. And some self-empathy and compassion goes a long, long way. Absolutely. Cut yourself some slack, go pour some beverage, whatever you like, and just relax. So that uh, guys, you all can find Kiva on jinstituteparenting.com. I will link it up in the show notes below. You can approach them for some amazing coaches, uh, courses for becoming a mentor, a parenting coach, or simply because you want to raise your child right. Until then, happy parenting. Hi, I hope you liked today's episode. Here's a little surprise. After an overwhelming response for my free ebook, I've decided to hold a free workshop as well on secrets to communicating with your teen. Here we will be talking about the common causes of clashes between parents and teens and how proper communication skill is the only tool you need to solve this problem. So join me live on the 30th of April, 12.30 p.m. The links to sign up are given in the description below. Save a spot. Also, enrollments for my course from instructional to conversational parenting for teenagers have begun. There's an early bird offer going on, so do check that out as well. In the meantime, let's connect. I'd like to know what's going on with you. In our country, the pandemic has hit us hard with its second wave and it's been particularly tough for parents who have kids locked indoors. It's difficult for them to understand what the situation is outside and we're left with no option but to see our kids almost suffer. So what is it that's troubling you? Is it your toddler getting on your nerves? Or are you guilty of giving excess screen time to your kids? Or are you fed up of your teen's raging hormones and disrespectful behavior? Whatever it is that's giving you nightmares, hit me up and I'd like to connect. I'm just a DM away.